0: Overall, our COVID numbers remained manageable um, and for once in our history we were an example I think to the rest of the state and we were outperforming the rest of the state and that had never happened.
1: latest edition of the Good and Grounded podcast. Our goal here is to keep the community-minded and Coloradans engaged with the biggest issues that our local communities are facing and what might be some easy ways for you to get involved, help out, and make a difference in your own local community. I'm Jim Licko with the Digital Marketing Agency Center table and as always I'm joined by my co-host and ground floor media colleague Laura Love.
2: So we passed 30 episodes recently, and while we've covered a lot of ground in the first 30 episodes, ranging from food insecurity to child welfare, CSR to DEI and more, we haven't ventured too far outside of our Colorado Front Range bubble. So we're more than thrilled to have today's guest with us, Robin Brown, who has been a fixture on the Western Slope and Grand Junction communities for more than a decade now. Robin has spent the past four years or so leading the Grand Junction Economic Partnership, although she just recently started her new position as Vice President of Development and CEO of the Colorado Mesa University Foundation, which is really exciting. She has worked for several community organizations like the Downtown Grand Junction Business Improvement District and the Avalon Theater Foundation. And the one fun fact that most of us probably don't know about Robin, I certainly did not, is that she spent nearly eight years as a helicopter pilot and strategic planner for the US Army. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
1: Nice to see you, Robin. Um, we're excited to have you here today, and we're equally excited to talk about the western slope of Colorado. Um, you know what the last year and a half has has looked like out on the west side of the state, and and what unique challenges and opportunities are on the horizon uh, for the communities out there. Um, but let me start at the macro level for our listeners. From a from a community standpoint, what are some of the biggest differences between the Grand Junction area and the rest of Colorado. And and how did those differences maybe have an impact, a unique impact on what the pandemic was like for your community out west?
0: So the biggest difference, and I think the fact that I'm your first show outside of probably what I would assume is the I-25 corridor is exactly what the difference is it's scale. So rural Colorado is everything that's not on the I-25 corridor. (laughs) Um, And it's actually like 85% of the state, but a much smaller percentage of the population. And so uh, Grand Junction is in Mesa County, and we are the only metropolitan area in western Colorado. We're the largest city between Denver and Salt Lake City. Um, And so, but we're still pretty rural. We're 150,000 people total in the county. And so by rural standards, we're like the Manhattan of rural Colorado, but it is truly so much smaller than the Denver metro area. And so we're often feel overlooked. We all have a big chip on our shoulder out here because <laughs> we always feel like policy development, legislation, all that stuff that comes with how the state is run, We we often feel overlooked. The other big difference is we're mostly public lands over here, which is very different. And that's a divide. I mean, essentially the continental divide divides the state. And the front range is primarily private land, and the the west slope Mm -hmm. is primarily um, public lands. Mesa County 75% public lands. And so that really dictates our economy. And so primarily, I mean, for for 100 years, we've been dependent on one industry, and that's the energy industry, whether it was uranium, oil shale, natural gas. Um, And so with that came significant boom and bust cycles. And so we were not diversified in any way. Um, And what would happen is in in good times, times were really, really good. Everyone made a lot of money. There are tons of sales tax revenues, a lot of spending, a lot of amenities being built. But then when it would bust, it would bust terribly. And what would happen is the energy industry is very transient. And so when we would bust, Mm -hmm. we would lose thousands and thousands of people out of our workforce because there wasn't wasn't another job for people laid off to move into. Um, And so that has, not necessarily served us well. We are sitting on the second largest natural gas reserve in the country. And so energy will always be here. We just have worked really hard over the last 10 years to not make it the only piece of the pie. Right. Um, And we have seen huge shifts. And I don't we can talk about that a little more if you want. But um, we we have in the last five years worked really, really hard as a community to diversify the economy. And what's interesting about COVID is those efforts set us up really well going into covid and so in 2019 was the first time in grand junction's history where the number of oil and gas jobs declined but our economy grew we had overall job growth we had wage growth and that has never happened um and so that was really exciting for us as a community we were nervous about it we didn't know how real it was but it um actually set us up really well um we didn't realize it going march of 2020 when the shutdown happened we kind of thought we had undone all the good that we had worked and the reverse happened. It just sped up um, what we were already seeing because much of our growth was in uh, construction, uh, tech. That was a big, cybersecurity even was one that I think four years ago, we never imagined moving here. Um, And so when so many jobs went remote last year, uh, people picked up and brought their jobs with them to Mesa County. So um, we are feeling, we're the most diversified we've, we've ever been. And that made our economy really strong through 2020.
1: Yeah, it's such a wild shift of things when you're talking about a global pandemic and 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 going into it such a, in such a strong way, and then probably being extremely concerned about it. And now here we are. So yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and our experience was so different. We I kept having to remind myself what a bubble we were in. For example, we never shut down our schools. Uh, we CMU, Colorado Mesa University, stayed in person, and that was that was pretty critical for a lot of reasons. One, over half of our kids are first generation college kids, and so. We knew that if we sent them home, a large percentage of them would not come back. Mm -hmm. The other thing we did was we created this five-star program, which kept our businesses open. So if you met all these parameters, we never got below 50% capacity. So we did not close down restaurants or businesses um, or gyms. I mean, we did for a short time, but maybe six weeks, but we got them open very quickly. So with kids being in school, people were able to go to their jobs. People did not have to stay home to take care of their kids the way they did in a lot of other places. And so, again, all of that kind of kept the economy churning. And we had very few business closures. Um, we had very few, um, I, I mean, our unemployment went up, but it, it, it wasn't like the unemployment of, the, of past years. It, it was very different. And so um, sales tax revenues continued to climb throughout the year. We actually had a, we ended on a really positive note. 2020 and 2021 has been strong for, I mean, we're outperforming all our 2019 numbers at this point.
2: So it sounds like you had a lot of silver linings during the pandemic and had built yourself into a position that you could withstand it. Was there any, when you think back about the disruptions and things that didn't work, what lessons did you learn during the pandemic that you'll carry forward?
0: I think we had more things that did work than didn't work. To be honest, it it was a very hard, like community wide conversation to be to have. And we have a lot of anti vaxxers. It's a, I mean, there's still protests going on, even though we don't require, no one requires vaccines and no one requires masks. Um, But so that was a little tough to have. But the truth was, um, we had starting in 2015, brought all of our leadership across the county together all of our economic development organizations, the chambers, municipalities, the school district and the health department. Um, And we had a weekly standing meeting where we just addressed the issues on the ground very quickly and immediately. I guess it could have gone the other way. I mean, we did not have huge COVID spikes. I mean, at one point we we were getting close to capacity in our hospitals, but then it dipped back down again and it was following a national wave. But overall, our COVID numbers remained manageable um, so I would it, to think back on what didn't go well. I think we, for once, <laughs> in like the for once in our history, we were an example. I think to the rest of the state, and we were outperforming the rest of the state, and that had never
2: happened. So that congratulations, that's huge. So I, I have to just ask the question that's on a lot of our minds here, and certainly in Denver and throughout other parts of the state. But with this influx of people moving to your community, how are you managing attainable housing and labor shortage? How is that panning out for you?
0: So I think the other thing that's happened here is we have had the example, like we've watched what's happened in Denver and the mountain communities, um, and we've watched entire communities where your entire labor force has to be subsidized to exist there. And so knowing that, we've been really aware of, of housing here. We, we had very affordable housing. I mean, our average home price two years ago was $240,000. Um, probably two years before that, it was 180,000. Today, it's 360, and so we saw it coming, um, and we recognized that inventory was getting shorter and shorter. No one was building, and so uh, last May, the city did a housing needs assessment to really look at our policies um, and look at incentivizing market rate, which is what we're really concerned about—market rate housing. Um, what we don't want, and what we never want to get to as a community is we don't wanna be a place where our average wage earners, which are most likely teachers and firemen, have to be subsidized to live here because they won't put roots down and stay. And so um, we've been very conscientious about that. And I think we see it as a problem that's solvable. One, we have plenty of space. So it's not like we're landlocked the way some of the mountain communities are. So we have room to grow. We've also passed road infrastructure ahead. And most communities don't pass taxes for roads. Um, but again, I think we've looked and watched other communities that have fallen behind and then and you can't ever catch up. <laughs> and yeah. so we just we've put um, I think this past year we passed 70 million in road infrastructure taxes and it's going on all over the place. Our number one priority as a community is another exit off of I-70, 29 road exit. Huge projects like 60 million dollars. We hope to see COVID infrastructure funds pay for that. But again, that'll help move people around. So I think we've just managed to especially, see what's happened in other communities and absorb that and, and try to get ahead of those things. So, for example, this time last year, there were probably only 60 permitted homes to be built in the next year, which was not good. And that's what really got kind of kicked the city in the butt on um, trying to come up with policies to incentivize building. Uh, this today, that number is 600. It's still actually not enough. We need about 2000, but it's it's working and we're starting to see an increase. So I think the housing will catch up with the market here in the next 24 months. Um, so again, it's a problem that's solvable.
1: It, it's such a funny chicken and egg situation, too. And it, and it sounds like, you know, you have the luxury of being able to get ahead of it, right? You're not in that situation like a lot of the mountain, central mountain communities are, a lot of the resort communities are and things like that. Um,
0: Jim, it's also about perspective because we think we're having a housing crisis, but when people move here from other places, they laugh that they think we have, I mean, they, they don't think right. we have a housing crisis at all. But it's right. about perspective and it's about what it costs you to buy the same house in Denver that you can get double the house for half the price in Grand Junction. So it is, um, you know, housing is tight right now. It's not a crisis.
1: Yeah. Well, and and what I'm about to say, I can collectively hear everybody from Mesa County down to, to, you know, the the Four Corners region saying, shut up, Jim, don't say that. But like you have such an incredible outdoor community and an outdoor world. I mean, the the Colorado Monument is right there. You've got the Colorado River right there. It's some of the best mountain biking you'll literally find anywhere in the world. Um, And I know one of the other chicken and egg things here is a, a lot of the outdoor industry companies and the jobs that come with them would love to be located in Grand Junction, in Montrose, you know, a- along the west slope of Colorado, but the logistics of that are super challenging. Tell us about those challenges for that for those types of companies that are maybe making products and and what you're dealing with when it comes to infrastructure.
0: So I'll start with our strengths and then I'll go to the, our one main challenge. So we already have the workforce that most of those outdoor rec manufacturers need, and that came from our legacy of en- energy production. So we had a very robust um, manufacturing workforce that was supporting energy when energy. Busted. A lot of those secondary companies that welders, machine fabrication, all of that, uh, metal fabrication, sh- pivoted and started working for the outdoor rec industry. Outdoor rec manufacturers, and we we have a lot of outdoor rec manufacturing here. So DT Swiss, the U.S. headquarters of DT Swiss is here. Lightner Poma is the largest uh, manufacturer of people movers, ski lifts in the world. They're here. Um, MRP, mountain racing products, Loki. I mean, I could go on and on with a number of direct manufacturers and we have a really healthy workforce for that industry. So, and we've worked really hard to recruit those com- some of those companies and we've seen a lot of growth there. It's also just a great place for R&D because it's so easy to get outside and, and test your product. We're really close to the mountains. You're always going against traffic. Um, what has been problematic is shipping uh, and freight costs, transportation. So... We're on I-70, so which we tout as a trans, like we're right here. It's on I-70. Sure. It's easy to get in and out. But the cost of freight prior to COVID was prohibitive. And when you talk to our manufacturers, they spend a lot more than their counterparts in Denver or Salt Lake City on that last mile. So their product might come by rail to Denver or Salt Lake, and then it gets put on a truck and truck to Grand Junction. Either way, you have to go over a pass. So it's very expensive. And so that's been persistently a problem prior to covid we were told by the railroad there's not we will never bring shipping containers to grand junction there's nothing you can do this is the way it is covid had such a disruption on freight One, there are huge tariff increases, and two, there is a shortage of shipping containers. I've learned a lot about transportation
1: in the last two years. (laughs) It's wild the things that we've learned, you know, as far as like supply chain and how things get disrupted. It's crazy.
0: So there's a global shortage on shipping containers, and so so the cost of shipping has skyrocketed. So our we now have a number of Western Colorado companies that have moved distribution to Salt Lake City. And so we're losing a ton of business. And so what we've done is we've approached the state and said, let's make Grand Junction this hu- shipping hub. Let's convince the railroads to bring shipping containers to Grand Junction because they won't today. And then we can move all that distribution back into Western Colorado. And it's much easier to get your product. If you if you can, by rail, get it to Grand Junction, then it's easy to truck all over Western Colorado. Uh, so that's our biggest problem is freight. And, and we have to be... Really transparent with companies when they come here, um, because we have had companies that moved here that did not understand they could bring they couldn't bring their shipping container, and so we're always touting the low cost of doing business, which it is. It's cheaper to do business in Grand Junction, but then sure. with the increase in freight, at sometimes you're just like you're giving you're you're paying lower for your your lease rate and everything and your labor and everything else, but you're paying just as much and
1: yeah, um, triple for the freight, yeah. right? Right?
2: We're clearly all in the <laughs> wrong business. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Robin, we're going to switch it up. We usually do a fun lightning round where we get to go know our guests just a little bit more, just rapid fire questions. You can always say pass and okay. um, just answer the first thing that comes to mind. And I will help you out by get buying you some time on the first question. Okay. First question. What is the most random skill that you possess that no one really knows about? So, I
0: have a secret hobby of distilling brandy.
1: Ooh, that sounds like something that come in very handy, especially during a pandemic or something
0: it, um, <laughs> well, it was a pandemic a hobby that I picked up, and we have we have all this amazing fruit in the valley. We have plums and pears and peaches, and we have grapes, and I got to thinking about it and um and so, I bought a tabletop still during the shutdown and started working on it and um it's been so fun and um so now my new secret life long-term life dream is to open a distillery
1: that's awesome how fun is that um okay i'm gonna list a couple of of different items um tell us what your recommendation would be uh best west slope recommendation so first is just mountain bikers what what's your what's your recommendation for mountain bikers
0: that's easy the palisade plunge brand new 33 mile downhill um uh, 6,000 vert from the top of the Mesa to the town of Palisade. Oh my gosh. I will never ride it, but if you're a mountain biker, <laughs> you should ride it.
1: <laughs> that's fair. What about uh, cocktail happy hour?
0: Um, definitely Bin 707. They have a great cocktail menu that's always changing and it's really creative. And their, their bartenders are amazing. So if you tell them what you like, they'll make something creative.
1: Yeah. How about uh, outside again? What, what, what's the best place to watch a sunrise?
0: Uh The Monument. Easily, yeah, yep, the Colorado yeah, National Monument. It's in my backyard, so it's it's um, easy to get to.
1: And then, and then my last two rapid fire here are uh, funny West Slope versus Front Range things. What's the biggest West Slope complaint about Front Rangers?
0: Oh, that you guys come over and tell us what to do all the time. <laughs> of course, Constantly. yeah.
1: What is what is the most uh, undeserved generalization about Front Rangers from the West Slope folks?
0: That everybody's from Boulder. <laughs> Everybody.
1: (laughs) That that is such a, it's great. I see that on social media all the time about, just throughout the West, basically. Like Boulder, Boulder just gets the heat for like all the problems. Nobody
0: likes people from Boulder. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's the reputation. And when people come over here from the front range, people automatically assume they're from Boulder. (laughs) You know, the funniest thing about my job in economic development is because, you know, we are trying to grow our economy and growth is good. And, but there's always like a small contingent that hates growth and is terrified of growth. But um, but I will say the thing I got, the comment that I got the most often was, you're going to turn us into Boulder, which <laughs> is laughable. We will never turn into Boulder. It's just not, I mean, in 50 years, we won't be Boulder, but I got that all the time.
1: So that's <laughs>
2: hysterical. It is really funny. And
0: you can't get mad. I would just laugh and explain right. All, right. all the reasons we
2: will never be Boulder. <laughs> all right. Because they broke the mold with boulder. (laughs) Yes. Let's just stay, we'll just stick with that. So Robin, we love to leave our audience with just one takeaway, one thing they can do as they're listening to this podcast to support you, to support your community. So if we think about a way that, one way that our listeners might be able to support our neighbors in the Western part of the state, what would that be? So come visit.
0: You know, people think it's really far. There's a joke that the distance from Denver to Grand Junction is twice as far as Grand Junction to Denver. Because we come to Denver all the time. In fact, I ran over Saturday for my daughter's soccer game and came back on Sunday. And we do that all, it is not, it's an easy four hour trip. Um, and it's a beautiful four hour trip. But I would say people in Denver sometimes think we're really, really far away. One, we're, we're also very affordable. So come over, stay at the Hotel Maverick. It's a beautiful teaching hotel on Colorado Mesa University. It's affordable. They have a wonderful rooftop um, bar and restaurant. And there's just, it's easy to get around. People are super friendly. Spend your money. Go take a hike. Um, come visit it and experience it for yourself because I think you'll really like it. We also have, I mean, the wineries are so fun. You wander through a couple wineries, um, wine taste, or ride your bike or hike. Um, there's no shortage of outdoor adventures to be had. Um, and I think you'll just find that you really like it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. It's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Um, it's it's fascinating to me. I've spent a lot of time, I, I bought a little uh, hiker trailer, camper thing about a year and a half ago. And so we spent a lot of time on the road. I spent a lot of time in the West Slope and I just like every turn, it's it's just more and more amazing. And again, I don't want to, you know, have everybody in the West Slope telling me to shut up and don't, <laughs> you know ruin ruin the best kept secret in all of Colorado. But um, we appreciate you coming on and taking the time and telling us a little bit about what the last year and a half has been like at West. It sounds like you guys have done a fantastic job of, of, of managing things, of keeping things moving. And that's exciting to hear. Um, of course, because we're all Coloradans here, and we like to we like to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So thank you for 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 joining us today.
0: Well, thank you for having me, and and you're always welcome on the Western Slope.
1: Well, I, I thought that was very cool to hear from different parts of the state. I know it's way overdue for us to be talking outside of sort of the I-25 corridor the Front Range. Um, But as I think about what Robin had to say about the West Slope and what they've been able to do to overcome challenges during the pandemic and things, my one cool thing is having been one of those people who's gotten out more camping and gotten out more hiking during the pandemic and seen different parts of the state is just stumbling upon that coffee shop or that pizzeria or whatever in those little mountain towns or western slope rural communities that you normally wouldn't go to because your uh time is tied up with traveling outside of the state or traveling to more of the known destinations in colorado and it was really fun for me over the past couple of summers to um you know take the trailer out go hiking go camping um go into a local shop see how they function see what they do see how they live their lives and that's that's been fun for me to see parts of colorado that that I maybe wouldn't have seen otherwise.
2: Absolutely. I think something else that's been really fun for us is getting to meet all of these amazing leaders in Colorado that are up to some pretty big things. So if you're listening and you know of an incredible leader in our state that Jim and I should talk to in 2022, please drop us a line. We'd love to get to know them and be able to highlight the issue they're working so hard on on our podcast next year. Thanks for listening.